I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. This is a Joe Rock exclusive. Football Cypher here on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and you can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. I'm joined with my fellow analysts, Chris James, Gene Clemens, Saran Davenport, and Brandon Howard. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CJFlorida9, Gene at Gene Clemens, Teron at T Davenport underscore NFL, and Brandon at B Howard underscore 81. Make sure to subscribe to the Football Game Plan Podcast on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. That's where you can find all of our many different shows. You can also find them archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. And finally, don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube, located at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. And if you're not familiar with what a rap cipher is, it's a crowd that forms in freestyle raps as they pass the mic around, but it's going to be the same thing here, except there won't be any rapping going on. We'll just pass the mic around and keep the football takes flowing. And we're kicking off our NFL team previews in the cypher. And in this episode, we'll be taking a look at the Dallas Cowboys and some of the biggest questions we have about the Cowboys heading into the 2017 season. Chris, I'll let you kick this one off. All right. We all saw what happened in the 2016 season. We had the dynamic duo doing their thing. So my question is the question we always ask. In year two of Dak and Zeke, do they improve or do they have a letdown? That's a good question. I think they may have a slight letdown only because their defense within the front seven may have some questions. You know, I don't think they really addressed the pass rush. I know they drafted Taco Charlton in the first round. That to me was a huge reach because I don't think he's that that guy that can really bring it off the edge. I know they have Demarcus Lawrence and and, uh, and uh, Tyrone Crawford. Can Lawrence be out there for a full sixteen games? That's something we haven't seen. We see David Irvin get suspended already, and we already know Randy Gregory is already out. So, you know, I, I think their defense within the front seven still has some questions. Now, I like the moves they made in the secondary, so it may balance out. But I think offensively they'll be just fine. I think they won't miss a beat. They'll pick up right where they left off. They'll be right in the mix for the top of the division, in my opinion. I, I agree with that. I think that um, Dak and Zeke will, won't miss a beat. I think that they'll continue to improve. As far as an entire team, I don't see the Cowboys repeating what they did last year in the regular season. I think there's just way too many ifs and, and unknown factors in their defense um, and their special teams, quite honestly, um, to, to really rely on them to be able to repeat um, what they did last year. Yeah, I, I'm going to say I think they're going to stay the same. I don't think they're going to – I mean, it's hard to – to uh, improve upon the year that that Ezekiel Elliott had last year, but I, I think you you'll see uh, Dak Prescott be able to you know take some more shots in 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 the passing game. I don't think he's going to be as, as dialed back, so to speak, as he was. I think they're going to give him a shot to uh, you know get a higher volume of of passes. So I think with that, it's going to come some improvement there. And uh, you know Prescott is a guy, obviously 
with 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 Carson Wentz, there's the big back and forth between them. So it's going to be interesting watching that whole thing work out. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a little difficult uh, uh, for them to even, you know, kind of match what they did last year. Um, the reason being is uh, I find it I, – I don't see how they're going to play the complementary football necessary to, to make that happen or to pull that off. Uh, I, I don't think the defense is going to be able to get uh, opposing offenses off the field uh, the way they need to. And, um, you know, that's going to leave Dak to try to, you know, really make plays and make things happen. And, uh, you know, if they can't quite get it going, um, that offense is not going to have the time of possession necessary to kind of match the production that they had last season. So uh, I think that they're going to kind of go down a little bit by comparison. I agree. Just statistically, it is so difficult to reproduce the types of years that we saw from these two guys, even for veterans. Just think about the fact that Dak Prescott, I'm pretty sure he had 30 touchdowns with four interceptions. That's a crazy ratio. Zeke's side, he rushed for 1,600-plus yards, and yes, anyone can rush for 1,600 yards behind that Dallas line. Well, why haven't we seen that consistently in the NFL? It's very difficult to reproduce that type of season. And the one thing I don't want to happen that could end up happening is the Seattle type of situation. We've already seen it's ground and pound in Dallas and then timely plays from the quarterback. But we did see that in year three, Seattle got away from giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch and started trying to make Russell Wilson the guy. I hope that the dynamic sticks to what has been successful so far in Dallas for these young players. My biggest question is, can they rush the passer this year? You you look at the defense. (laughs) You know, you look at their defense last year, the leading sack getter uh, had six sacks, and that was Benson Mayowa. You know, so and Malik Collins was second with five, and he was a rookie defensive tackle. Can he rush the passer this year? Is my biggest question. You know, I'll I'll take I'll take the opportunity to answer the the can they rush the passer question, and and you know I think Chris, CJ, you put it just well. No, they can't. I mean, Demarcus uh, Lawrence is a guy. I I thought that he was going to come in and be a better pass rusher, but. You know, he's had his issues. Randy Gregory, as you mentioned, you know, has his issues. David Irving has his. So it's just, I mean, who are they going to get the pass rush from? I think that's really the question. And I don't see anybody there that's going to be able to do do that for them. Yeah, and I, I honestly uh, don't see that it's there either. Um, that's something that they're going to have to invest in uh, going into the, the next offseason because that, that that pass rusher is just not there. And any type of pass rush that they get, you know, the secondary and the, you know, it, it's kind of a, a symbiotic relationship between the secondary and the defensive front. And it, most of what you see are any pressures or sacks that they get this season. It's going to be coverage. It's going to be as a result of coverage. And um, it's not going to be necessarily because of the heat that the defensive front is putting on. And you know what really bothers me about this? Because that's a great question, Emery. And it's the reason that I don't have this team winning the division is they have the opportunity to draft better pass rushers. And Taco Charlton, like any of these guys, he has (laughs) a level of talent, but he's not a consistent enough pass rusher. If you can't win one-on-one battles consistently, I'm not taking in the first round ever. It's just not going to happen. I want Derek Barnett. I want Jordan Willis. I don't want a guy who literally had two plays the entire year, both in the Ohio State game. So that really frustrated me with what they did this year. And the other guys, they've just had struggles staying on the field, whether it's suspension-based or just simply injury-based. So if DeMarcus Lawrence is ever able to stay on the field or some of these other guys, they might 
actually be able to get a pass rush. But so far, they have not shown me anything to be having faith in them generating one. Exactly. Emory, I apologize, man. I was I was a little discombobulated for a second there. Um, the I think it's I almost think it's criminal that they that they're wasting they're wasting an offense like this that they waste an offense like this with without adding pieces that that will help them become a more um, dominant pass rush, especially with the type of defense that they're trying to run. They're essentially running the Tampa two defense, and with that, you need defensive linemen who can win one-on-one battles. Um, you need a defensive end um, in the mold of a Simeon Rice. You don't need a defensive end in the mold of Indomitian Sue because he's not a defensive end. Um, I think that Taco Charlton is a guy who's really more suited for a 34 defense um, as a four technique um, you know, than he is as a, as a, as a wide nine or as a, or as a, a strong side seven. I just don't I don't I don't believe that he's going to win on a consistent basis. I don't think he's going to win on an every once in a while basis. I think he can be a a really good run um stopping defensive end, but in a in a Tampa 2 defense, that's not what you're looking for. And so will they be able to rush the the quarterback? No, because all of their pass rushers are um suspended because they all do drugs. So, um I mean, at the end of the day, either they're using recreational drugs or they're using performance-enhancing drugs. Um, and the guys that they have left just are not that good. Yeah, Gene, if I could just add something there. You made a great point um, that, you know, Cowboys defense is a minimal pressure defense. They're not bringing a bunch at you. So the importance of being able to win one-on-one, it's, it's very, very critical that you're able to do that in that defense. And – that's why, I mean, that pick of uh, Taco Charlton um, just confounds me. Like, I do not understand where that comes from uh, based on the type of defense that they're running there in Dallas. So uh, I, I don't see them uh, being able to really get after the quarterback at all this year. Yeah, I totally agree. Just to put a bow on that question. I mean, I remember in the bowl game against Florida State, he got a sack on uh, DeAndre Francois after like seven seconds, then he got up and celebrated like, dude, like that was like the best coverage sack ever. You didn't do anything, but, but just finally beat your man and got to DeAndre Francois. So I don't know. We'll, I, I don't want to completely down the guy, but right. I, I have to take a wait and see approach because I didn't see it at all on tape. I thought Chris Warmly was the best defensive end clearly or defensive lineman clearly on that Michigan uh, defense. Yeah, and, you know, that's a perfect segue into the question I had, Emery, which is um, with the deficiencies, deficiencies that we see that they have on defense, do they need to sacrifice some of that O-line talent to bolster that defense? You know, I, I don't think that they need to sacrifice that O-line talent. Uh, you look at that O-line, why do they have such a good O-line? Because they drafted well. And that's what they have to do on the other side of the ball. We've already gone over how they didn't do that well. So I'm going to say no. They just have to draft better. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm with you, uh, Teron. Uh, I, they, they just have to identify talent a bit better than they have in years past. Uh, take notice of the, you know, red flags that are right there, you know, for you. Um, when when you're drafted. I mean, it, you've got to look at the character of the person as well. Yes, you don't get far drafting a bunch of choir boys. That's not going to happen. But at the same time, you know, when a guy's had, I don't know how many failed drug tests in college, what do you think is going to happen? 
you know, later on down the line. You, you, you really got to take notice of those things. You got to take uh, the character into account. You also got to, you know, draft better as far as, you know, what fits your scheme and your personnel. They're doing an excellent job of that uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Now they need to turn to the defense and see what they can do. And my answer is no. Uh, and the reason it is is just pretty much reiterating what you all have said. They clearly know how to identify talent on the offensive line. On the defensive line, able to identify talent, but they're not, as Brandon said, paying attention to the red flags. If you have an injury history in college, you're likely to have one in the NFL. If you have a drug problem in college, you're likely to have one in the NFL. It doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to, but just statistically, it's a higher rate. So they just haven't made good decisions on that side of the ball, whether it's been injury-based, you know, off-the-field issue-based, or this year, just missing by not not going after a guy like Jordan Willis, I'm pretty sure he was still available in the draft at the pick at which they took Charlton. So right. I'll get off that point. No, that, that's true, though. I mean, Willis was right there, and we saw him just obliterate Texas A&M in the bowl game right there at, at Jerry's World. So um, I, I don't understand how that, that happens. And it's funny because they have a really good defensive line coach that's able to get the most out of his players. And we saw that last year with Malik Collins, who people questioned coming into the draft. But he's going to a guy that – I uh, forget the defensive line coach's name, but he's great with technique. Um, and he does a great job of getting the most out of his players, which is why Collins was second on the team in sacks. He's not going to get much out of Taco Charlton. So I think they have to, what everyone else said, just draft better. And it's again, the draft gives you at least seven opportunities to hit home runs. I think every player can be a starter. You just have to know what you're looking at, know what you're looking for. And right now they're not doing it on the defensive line. Well, the interesting thing to me is that they have so much offensive line depth. Um, I don't necessarily think they, have to, they would have to sacrifice their starters to do it, but they've got some backups on their team um, or some guys that, that are in a constant fight for playing time on that team that you could, you could pick up or you can at least look to shop to try to get some better um, – you know, talent around you. I mean, Byron Bell's not a bad um, – Nate Thecker from um, – oh, gosh, I forget where he's from. But, um, you know, he, he's, a, he's a young, up-and-coming guy. Emmett Cleary I like a lot. I think that they've got some guys that are, that are backing up right now. Um, if Chaz Green, if Chaz Green doesn't, doesn't stick as a starter, is that somebody that you look to put on the, you know, to put on the, on the, on the block to see if you can get a – a defensive end, or you can find another defensive back um, to help that defense along. I think they've got some depth that you could really, um, you could really stand to lose one or two of of that seven that they have in the in the mix, and still be okay um, up front. So I, I don't think you you want to sacrifice your main guys. I mean. You know, um, you know, their, their their main guys aren't going any, anywhere. You know, Tyron Smith's not going anywhere. Zach Martin's not going anywhere. I think Cotlayle Collins is a beast. Um, he's not going anywhere. Um, you know, Travis Frederick is, is is really good. He's not going anywhere. Everybody else, I think that there's an opportunity that you could flip one of those guys and get something to help you on the defensive side of the ball. So staying on the defensive side of the ball, what I wanted to ask was the additions of Jordan Lewis as well as uh, Chidobe Awuze. Is that enough to help out that secondary? 
I think those are huge additions. Um, it's going to take them some time to kind of get acclimated to, you know, what they're seeing in the NFL and just, you know, the type of routes that are going to be thrown at them, uh, you know, in, in given situations. So uh, it's going to take those young guys to get used to, you know, life in the NFL. Uh, but with that said, um, I, I think you you add in, uh, add those guys into, to, you know, what the incumbent players in that secondary I really think that in time, uh, you know, they'll they'll become one of those units that you know will flourish over time. I, I also think that uh, once you add some defensive players on that defensive front, um, that can really get the job done. Uh, though those young guys, they they are too athletic to not see success at the next level. And you know what? This is a great question, and I loved what they did in the secondary, getting these two guys and Jordan Lewis. When people finally realize that size itself is not a skill, if you look at the way he covers, he was one of the cleanest cornerback prospects coming out this year. He was like, and this might be a bad comparison, but they underrated this guy as a receiver coming out in some respects. He was like the Brandon Cooks of a corner. He right. played way bigger than he was. He went up and high pointed the ball against six foot three guys. He's going to do the same thing in the NFL because that's what he's been doing his whole career in college. And Wuzier, like I, I love the way that he plays like a dog. He really gets in your face. He gets in your grill. Aggressive. How they've missed on the defensive line and the red flags that they missed on, they hit it out the park, in my opinion, at the cornerback position this year in the draft. Absolutely. And Lewis is my number two rated corner uh, in this draft class. I was a big fan of his game. He can play off. He can play press. He has great ball skills. Um, he's not going to miss an opportunity to – to catch an interception. Um, and I even would throw in uh, Xavier Woods, you know, a guy that has ball skills. They had him from Louisiana Tech in the secondary. And the Woozy was my 15-rated corner. And and I was excited about his game as well because he plays a lot like Jordan Lewis. So they got two matchup corners, two guys with ball skills, and a safety back there that also does a good job in playing, you know, from hash to sideline, but has the, the instincts to make plays uh, once, once the ball is in the air. I definitely think they improved. Um, they improved their secondary's depth. Um, my only issue is that they just got rid of a guy who they they just sat through growing pains. Um, they sat through the growing pains of Mo Claiborne, and now that he's starting, he was starting to come into his own. They got rid of him, and now they're replacing them with rookies. And now they've got to sit and wait through their growing pains as well. But if they're patient and they sit and wait through those growing pains. I think that they have um, some really good depth back there in the defensive backfield. Yeah, I agree. Awuze is a guy I really liked. You know, just when you look at the versatility perspective, he could come, he could bump inside, he could play outside too. So, you know, I like that about him. And Jordan Lewis in, in my book, you know, uh, CJ, you make a great point about how he was the Brandon Cooks uh, of this uh, of the cornerbacks because, as you mentioned, he does play a lot bigger than his size would indicate. But that being said, I thought that he was he was my number one just when you just talk about a guy that you could put in there to cover the slot receivers. He gives them that guy to, to match up with those traditional, not traditional, stereotypical, shorter, shifty uh, slot guys. So I like that. I think Marquez White is, is another pick that they were able to to make. And, um, it, you know, he's a guy that could come in and help out as well. So I, I definitely feel they improved their secondary. All right. And uh, the, the question uh, that, that I had uh, on this is, uh, you know, it's kind of the uh, the elephant in the room. Uh, what What is it going to take for Dak Prescott to finally get his due? 
I don't think I'm qualified to answer this question because my answer is going to be so mean. <laughs> <laughs> the dude had the second best rookie season of all time as a quarterback, statistically. And, and, and it, it seems to not even matter. They still talked about Tony Romo for the whole damn season. <laughs> the dude almost had a comeback against the hottest quarterback in the NFL at the end of the season in which it took a ridiculous pass on the sideline to beat his team after coming back from several touchdowns down. And it's still, well, he's going he's, he's gonna to come back to earth. No, he won't. <laughs> this dude is the real deal. It's not going to happen. What is it going to take? He's going to literally, literally have to have Tom Brady's career for him to get this dude. Listen, he won't he won't get his due because we see it happening in the Pacific Northwest. Russell Wilson is putting together one of the remarkable careers in football. Um, his his first six seasons in the league have is the stats are just ridiculous. Dak is going to put up the similar type numbers because Dak has shown very early as a rookie that he's playing with calm. He's playing with the right level of temperament and he's deadly accurate and decisive with the ball and also is deadly with his leg. So we already know how this is going to go. It's going to, if Tannehill earned a hundred million dollar contract for not dying on the field, <laughs> Prescott can't, I'll tell you, Prescott will have to go undefeated for the next 10 years. And he still will say he had a good offensive line and had weapons to throw to, and they didn't ask him to do much. But meanwhile, these other trash quarterbacks will be like, Oh, well, they're asking him to do so much. He's asked to carry the entire city in the community. So it doesn't matter what Dak does this year or 10 years from now, he will never get the credit because uh, you know how that goes in this league. It took Blake Bortles throwing an interception off of a running back's foot to finally get some <laughs> negative press. Sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. Um, I do think that that Prescott will be respected more um, this year because he's going to have another great season. I think that that Prescott will never get the due that he's deserved because if you just look at the guys in his in his in his division he's he's going to be overshadowed by those guys and the talk about those guys all year let's start here Eli is he a hall of famer yes okay well what kind of hall of famer is he is he the top tier hall of famer is he is he a first ballot guy blah 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 oh look over there it's Kirk Cousins he is eternally average and now we want to pay him 35 million dollars a year someone's going to pay him 35 million dollars a year to play average quarterback um oh my gosh the wonder kid uh -oh. um over there in philadelphia carson wentz man when he, gets his, when he gets his right tackle back oh my god <laughs> he's gonna be so good he's gonna be really really good meanwhile dak's just over there completing passes and scoring touchdowns and not turning the ball over and leading his team to one of the best regular seasons they've ever had. And all they say is, oh, well, look at the running game he has. Are you kidding me? Look at the running game? That's what you have? That's what you're, you're going to hit me with. Look at the running game. You mean the same running game that the quarterback before him had when the running back ran for, like, a league-leading, almost broke Eric Dickerson's record? Like, that that type of running game? Because 1,800 yards. Yeah, nobody because nobody says anything about that. You know, no one ever says anything about it. But with Dak, it's an issue. So will he get his due? No, because they're too they're too hung up on giving praise to other people that don't look anything like Dak. 
Hey man, I'ma follow it up with this. Yeah, y'all listen to reggae, right? He, he, the boy, his name is Nardo Ranks. You know what I'm saying? He got a song talking about them a bleach on their skin, and that's basically the only way. I'ma say it. You know what I'm saying? That's the only way he's gonna get his get his credit. You know, he's going to have to go to Sammy Sosa. That's what he's going to have to do. But I tell you, just with that whole conversation between Dak and and Carson Wentz, what kills me is you have on one hand, you say, okay, well, Dak was only good because of all the weapons and everything that he had around him. But then you have on the other hand, well, now that Carson has all of these weapons, he's going to be good. Why is what's good for Dak or good for Carson not good for Dak? That's the whole thing that confuses me. And and the other thing that I don't like is you can't see potential in both of them. It's it's like you have to hate one and love the other or vice versa. It's just it's it's ridiculous. And and it's a there's a complete loss of being objective within a lot of media members because they just uh, adore this this guy, uh, Carson. Once I see it firsthand every day. Yeah, I mean, you guys hit on so many key points. And uh, the the thing that just kind of bothers me is like, you know, when you listen to uh, NFL draft pundits, uh, even through, um, you know, this this NFL draft, uh, 2017 NFL draft, you hear them talk about, um, well, the Browns should have had Carson Wentz, you know, in the fold. They they passed on him. But what did he do to make it – seem as though, you know, he should have been that guy for the Cleveland Browns. I don't understand that. So, um, you know, th- that's the thing that just bothers me is just the the way that Carson Wentz is perceived versus Dak Prescott. Um, you know, there's enough room in the NFL for both of them to have success. Exactly. But the way the, – the thing that bothers me so much is that Dak Prescott actually went out there and had a great year. You know, it, it, he – you know, irrespective of the weapons that he has, you know, so why are we sitting here talking about, okay, it, basically the, the media is treating the weapons around Dak Prescott like they cured cancer, you know, or, you know, they cured AIDS. That, <laughs> I don't understand why we can't just look at Dak Prescott and say, you know what, this dude is having a phenomenal career thus far. And let's just see and hope it continues and, and enjoy it. Why can't we just enjoy it? And instead of, but instead of doing that, we're heaping praise on other parts of the offense as opposed to, you know, giving him the, the due that he's deserved. And I just think that that's just totally wrong. And, um, you know, I got to give you credit, Chris. You're the first person that I knew of that said, you know what, we got to take a look. People should take a look at Dak Prescott and what he's doing uh, the year that he came out in the draft. I'm still hung up on some of his, you know, lower body, you know, technique, you know, flaws and things like that. Some of the laziness in the footwork. And you said, no, the ball's getting there. So I'll never forget that. And um, you know what? Yeah, Dak Prescott is uh, is well-deserving of, of so much more praise than he's, uh, than he's been given thus far. And just real quick, another thing I want to point out, you know, one of the, the things that they always point to is Des Bryant, right? You, you right. know, his weapons. Well, he didn't have Des Bryant for three games. And right. he still found a way to make it happen in those games. So, yeah, I mean, he also didn't have Tyron Smith for a game or two uh, as well. And we know a how left much, tackle, a, a left, left tackle, tackle, not necessarily yeah. that right tackle. And this right. dude threw 459 passes and only four intercepts, right? Four picks. 
and people are talking about the Browns passed on Wentz. No, the Browns passed on Dak Prescott, who was in the conversation for the NFL MVP. Exactly. Not rookie MVP, which he won. MVP of the league. So it's just foolishness. He will never get his just due. But I remember this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say this. I remember this conversation back in 2012 with Andrew Luck. They went 2-14 and a year before. He comes in. They go 11-5. And kudos to him. They go to the playoffs. Oh, look what he did with such a terrible team. Does everyone forget that Dallas was 4-12 and in a dumpster fire the year prior? (laughs) A dumpster fire. So they act like this dude got on a team that was ready-made to just win everything. Wasn't the case. If it was the case, they would have won more than four games. They would seven and nine. Okay, I could see it, but four and twelve in a pure dumpster fire. No credit. Here's what be the litmus test, and I'll end. I'll end it here. You need to look no further than Derek Carr. Mm. Derek Carr in his third year just signed the richest contract that a quarterback has signed at the position. Twenty-five million a year, and and. So we'll see, because if they're going to give him the, the credit he's due, then after this next great year he has, he should be signing a $25 million contract, a $25 million a year contract. If they don't, if there's any, oh, well, we're going to let him play his contract out, blah, 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 then you know the fix is in. Well, I mean, just to put a bow on it, look at how the media and the Seattle Seahawks treated Russell Wilson, who won them a Super Bowl and nearly won them two. And it was like, well, we don't know if he's worth it. What if he gets hurt? What if, you know, future beats him up? All that stuff they threw out there because, like, <laughs> all, it was just crazy. So, he does I don't know. Stop taking pictures. Of his son, <laughs> exactly. That's crazy. Right. He, he's trying to get himself jumped. Sure. So, all right, let me hey. get, 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 hey. get some uh, picks around you guys. Snapper, dog. Y'all know what the time it is. <laughs> let's, get, let's quickly get these picks uh, out from you guys. Start with you, Brandon. Yeah, I think they, they definitely uh, finished second. Uh, there in that division, I, I don't really see the uh, I don't see the Eagles coming up and challenging, despite you know some of the improvements they've made to their roster. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a battle between definitely the Cowboys and the uh, Giants, but I see the Giants prevailing. This is usually the most muddled division in the NFL, and I feel like it's going to be a pretty clean division where each team is at least two games apart. Where the Giants are, you know, that twelve and four team. Cowboys being a 10 and 6, Eagles at 8 and 8, and then you have the, the Redskins bringing up the rear of a 5 and 11. So got them going to second place. I think this will be a cleaner division than it's been in the last decade. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually with, with, with CJ. I think that um, the Washington racial slurs will end up at the end. And, um, you know, the, 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 the Giants will be first and the Cowboys will finish comfortably second. Um, and maybe enough to get them into the into the you know into a wild card at maybe ten games or nine games with depending on who they beat. Yeah, I, I think the Cowboys are going to finish second. Um, I have them finishing ahead of the Eagles and the Redskins, but uh, I'm going to go with second place. It, it's going to be hard to have the same type of year that they had before. And we we talked in the last podcast about the Giants' defense and what they bring. So. I have them just just falling short, but I think it's going to be closer than what you guys were mentioning. I think that division, you know, is going to be within four games or so between the four of them. 
So that's a wrap for this episode of the Football Cypher. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. For Chris, Gene, Brandon, and Teron, I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. And this has been the Football Cypher on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network.